Amen. Please join me in prayer. Father, I just pray that the song we just sang, I do pray that that's the reality of our hearts right now, that we are wanting to, willing to just give ourselves to you. Father, we thank you for just giving us another day uh, just to walk with you. And Father, I pray that we don't have the mindset of a spectator right now, that we don't just come here to hear something so we can get on with our day. And Father, just help us to tap into what we just sang, to, to realize that our lives aren't our own. We belong to you. And we want to yield to you. We want to allow the word, of God, the word that comes from you, we want it to have impact on our hearts and our minds and our lives. And, and that's why we're here this morning. And I just pray that we can just intentionally go there with our hearts to, to receive what you want to give us this morning and not to try to just control everything. So thank you just for, thank you just for loving us enough to give us the choice to, to even choose to give ourselves away when you could just force us to do anything, but you don't. And so I pray that we are willingly, willingly giving of ourselves right now, in this time, this morning, at this hour, because we need you, Father. We want to be more like Jesus, and we can't do it on our own. And we pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. I'm grateful for that, all those songs, really, and just grateful to, to be together. And we're going to continue our, our draw near to God theme this morning. And uh, hopefully this has been a, a source of encouragement to you. We, if you're visiting with us, we love, when, we love it when our, our friends come to church, neighbors, people we meet at the grocery store. Uh, so, so just welcome to, to be with us. Uh, we, we hope that this morning can help you draw near to God. And uh, we have been kind of embarking on this, this theme throughout the year, and we've had messages that have really focused in on prayer and, and confession, and appreciate Tom last week about just David, Psalm 51, repent, confess, be real, be open, and what God can do. And uh, we've, uh, we've had midweeks together every Wednesday night right here, and we're going to continue that this coming up Wednesday. And we've had a 21-day fast that that we've been a part of as a, as a, as a church, and it's been really uh, amazing just to hear from, from, from some of you what, what you've been experiencing. And uh, I, I think we should continue to share these things with one another. It's very uh, powerful to hear these things. D Douglas has been putting together a podcast that you can listen to. Just We're trying to start the year off and just giving ourselves to God in a very practical, intentional way. And, and uh, there is a, a special invitation I'm throwing out there that more details will follow. But uh, just so you know, this, this fast, I think, has, has really helped a lot of us draw near in ways perhaps we haven't before. And many of you are like, well, how do, we, how, how do I make the most of this time? Where, where do we go from here uh, kind of thing? And, and we're developing an idea, and I'm just going to kind of give you a little teaser because more details will follow. Uh, but it's an invitation. It's not a requirement of membership at North River. It's not anything like that, but it's an invitation. When uh, on the days that we come together for our all-church midweek, which is usually that first Wednesday of the month, uh, we're, we're thinking of offering an invitation for those of you that would like that we can fast together on that particular day. 
You know, so like 12 times out of a year where we do it all together. Uh, just that, because that, we're already together and then you can break the fast however you want. Uh, but we'll have more details, but this is just something that, well, we can continue this and not just have it be something we did in, in January. So more details will follow on that. And uh, today I want to talk about, about really about something that's ongoing, hopefully, in our spiritual lives, our ongoing spiritual formation, right? We talked about spiritual formation before, and, and it's really, we talked about how it's a process of being formed into the image of Jesus for the sake of others. And uh, this is something that we've talked about. And uh, I was able to do a message on, on those first two concepts, how it's a process, right? A lot of us don't like processes. We like instantaneous transformation, right? Uh, but we got to realize that God doesn't often work that way. He uses processes, and we have to be willing to undergo the process and, and yield ourselves to the process. And it's of being formed, not forming ourselves, right? It's not the, the do-it-yourself uh, method of, of becoming more like God. It's you cannot just do this yourself. It's not the pull yourself up by the bootstraps. It's not I'm a self-made man. It's not about that. You have to, you have to yield yourself to be formed. Uh, into that image of Jesus. And so I appreciate, uh, I appreciate the, the quote that, you know, in the final analysis, there's nothing we can do to transform ourselves into persons who love and serve as Jesus did, except make ourselves available for God to do that work of transforming grace in our lives. And I believe that many of us, through even something like fasting, I think we're experiencing this where doing without food, we find more connections throughout the day with God, and I think he's able to kind of get in there deeper with us. It's powerful when God does that, making ourselves available. So today we're going to talk more about what it means to be formed in the image of Jesus for the sake of others. And the first passage I want to look at, it draws upon something in Exodus that was very powerful. If you remember, remember when Moses would, would meet with God, and Moses would meet with God, and, and at one point in Exodus 34, it says that he fasted 40 days with God. And he left that time with God literally, physically shining. Okay? He, he shone. Right? I mean, it was like, and and he, people were like, whoa! He was in the presence of God, and he reflected. He was literally reflecting the glory of God to the point where he, had to, he, he spoke to the people, but then after he had to put a veil over himself. To, to kind of, you know, keep that, that shining, getting on everybody kind of thing. But, but you know what? It faded over time. It didn't last forever. That, he was in the presence of God. He reflected God's glory. But over time, kind of faded away, and he didn't have to use the veil anymore. And so Paul, in the New Testament, he draws upon this concept and this, and this imagery in 2 Corinthians chapter 3. And, you know, he says, and we all, not just one person, because it was just Moses, he was... Now he's saying, and we all with unveiled faces reflect the Lord's glory. And we're all being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory. Okay? Do you see the difference? Moses, it kind of faded away. But we all, not just one guy, but we all in the church can have this experience of being transformed into Jesus with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord. Doesn't come from you. Doesn't come from your great upbringing or your bad upbringing. Doesn't come from your great education or lack of it. Or the great job you have or the fact that you're unemployed. It doesn't really matter about all that. It comes from the Lord. 
his Holy Spirit. And Paul writes later to, to the Colossians, and he, you know, he says, you know what, don't lie to each other. You know, t- you've taken off your old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of its creator. And here again, there, it's not about class distinctions. It's not about any of that, slave or free. It's Christ is all and he's in all. That's, that's the beauty of it, right? That's the beauty of being transformed to the image of Jesus. Paul's trying to get at that. And then later he gives this great summary later on in that same chapter of Colossians. God has given me the responsibility of serving his church by proclaiming his entire message to you. This message was kept secret for centuries and generations past, but now it has been revealed to God's people. To them, God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Christ in you. That was unavailable in times past. This is what God's been trying to have happen. He created us to have fellowship with us, to be with us, We chose not to, and the story of the Bible is this long story about how God's trying to be with us, but in the New Testament, this new covenant, it's not just being with us, it's being in us, forming Christ in you. It's not about an external set of rules to kind of follow that we never could. It's literally about him moving us, him giving us his very life within us. Powerful, that's the mystery. And so Paul said, look, that's why I'm here. He's the one we proclaim. We admonish people. We we warn them. We teach them. Train them with all wisdom so we may present everyone fully mature in Christ. To this end, I strenuously contend with all the energy Christ so powerfully works in me. This is a beautiful picture of what the church should be all about. All of us being grateful for that Christ can live in us. And we try to let God's spirit mold us more to be like Jesus instead of just us, right? It's not about being a better version of yourself. That's not what this is all about. It's about being more like Jesus. It's about you making a decision. I'm going to yoke myself up with Jesus. Where he goes, I go. That's why Jesus said, hey, come to me. If you're weary and burdened, you know, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am humble and gentle, right? I mean, this is what it's all about. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. You know, Jesus is the, that master to teach us how to live the life we're supposed to live, to really truly be human the way God wanted us to be. We got to yoke up to Jesus. And he knows how to form us. He makes us into something that we can't do ourselves. He is the master craftsman. But here's the problem. When we wake up in the morning, when I woke up this morning, I'm not like Jesus in my flesh. I don't wake up just ready to lay my life down, serve people, speak the right way to everybody. No. I mean, I just wake up just hardwired to just meet my own needs and everybody else better figure out how to. King Jeff is, just needs to be, where are my subjects, right? You know, like, <laughs> Everyone needs to figure out how to serve me. I mean, that's just kind of my hard wiring, right? I don't know if anyone else can relate to that, but amen. We're not like Jesus in our flesh, guys. 
And, and this is something that really helped me to kind of focus in. This, I read this, and this, this is one of those like, oh, it's so true. It's so hard to hear, though. The process of being formed in the image of Christ takes place primarily at the points of our unlikeness to Christ's image. Oof. Because you know where you're most unlike Jesus? You know that part of your character? Don't you just, don't you just want to, like, scoot that under the rug a little bit? You don't, want, you don't want that just to be put out on blast. You don't want everybody to know about that. Can't we just, why can't me becoming more like Jesus be kind of made at the places where I'm doing pretty good? Like, I'm, like I'm, I just need a little push over to get over the top. You know, I'm, I'm pretty good in a lot of areas. Why can't I just work on those and then everything will be great? Why is it that at the place, at that point of who you are where it's most unlike Jesus, that's where that process needs to happen. That's where it needs to happen. But that's where so many of us hide from God. We, don't, we, we hide it from God as if he can't see it. We definitely try to hide it from one another because, my goodness, we got to put forth our best in front of each other, right? I don't want to seem like I'm a losing Christian amongst all these other wonderful people. I always need to put my best foot forward. I'm, I'm ashamed of my sin. Of course we're ashamed of our sin. I'm ashamed when I lose my temper with my kids. I don't want to talk about it, right? I hate when I do that. I don't like myself when I'm that way, but it's, it's in me. But that's that place where God's inviting me. You need me right there. Right there. What's up with that? I want to form Jesus in you right there. But here's the deal. He's not going to force himself on you. And, and this whole thing about being, uh, you know, formed in the, in the likeness of, of, of Jesus, it takes two words that, we, that I'm learning about, confrontation and consecration. And we hate the word confrontation. And half of us don't even know what consecration means, so you're waiting for that to get defined. <laughs> but we know confrontation. And most of the time, that's negative. And we just, for the love, we don't like negative things, right? But confrontation is, is necessary. And, and check this out, see if this helps you like it helped me. Sometimes I need word pictures, you know, images. God will stand at those closed doors of our lives by which we have shut God out and imprisoned ourselves within. And the love of God's grace will knock and knock and knock with the knock of confrontation on those doors. But God will not force open the doors. As George MacDonald says, he, wo- he watches to see the door move from within. He's not breaking down the door. He's knocking. You're not like Jesus in that area. You are so shut off from me right now. You're so shut off from everybody else. I see as clear as day, and I'm here to help you change that, to be more like Jesus. I'm right here. It's not about condemnation. It's about you being changed. It's about confrontation. Let's confront it. Let's deal with it with my transforming grace. Let's go right now. I'm knocking. I'm right here. And he's just waiting for you to open that door. But some of us just won't do it, right? We don't like doing it. What's wrong with us? What's our problem? We're sinners and we need Jesus. That's our problem, right? We got to listen for that knock of confrontation. All confrontation is not bad. We need confrontation. We need to be confronted with who we really are. 
What a great example of this is Paul. I, I think he's a great example of just dealing with that co confrontation. He dealt with who he was, right? What a great example. M remember this passage in 1 Timothy? I thank Christ Jesus, our Lord, who has given me strength, that he considered me trustworthy, appointing me to his service, even though I, I, I was once a, a blasphemer and a persecutor, and a violent man. See, he, he confronted, he dealt with who he was. I was shown mercy because I acted in ignorance and unbelief. He had to own it. So, much, so many of us are unwilling to own these types of things in our own character. And the grace of our Lord was poured out on me abundantly, along with the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. You know, here is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I'm the worst. I feel like this is a perfect example of just confronting who you really are and just putting it out there and, and owning it. You know, we all need to do that, right? And if we do this, I think if we, if we, if we can do this, then what happens is we, we allow God in, and that whole concept of consecration is a fancy word, which really gets at just allowing yourself to be used for God's purposes, for holy purposes, for special purposes. That's the big picture of what that consecration word means. Fancy word, but it's really just getting, God, I don't want to just be so, just my, myself or a sinful person. I want to give myself away to you so I can be used by you for holy purposes, for righteousness. And I can't do it on my own. I need you to transform me to do that. And if we're able to do that, man, then we can be like Paul when he said, I have been crucified with Christ. I no longer live. I don't even, it's not even me anymore. The life that I'm living when I go out of my house, it's, it's Jesus living in me. It's not even me. I mean, that's beautiful. I've given my life away. I'm, I'm done with it. I'm done with who I am. I've been crucified. That life is crucified. Amen. I mean, I hope we can all get to that point where we can say this. This is what it means to, to, to respond to that knock of confrontation of the Holy Spirit at that point of our brokenness and that, at the point of our sinfulness. And we meet that confrontation with a consecration, just give ourselves over that allows God to do the work that God wants to do in us to form us into the image of Jesus. That's what it takes. Be willing to be confronted and give your life to Jesus. What else is it? It's not just being formed in the image of Jesus. If we end it there, that's where most people like to end. I want to be more like Jesus. Amen. That's great. This is when it, like, oh, man. For others, golly, we don't like that, right? We don't like that at all. I, I love this. Uh, this is at the, one of the beginning of the chapters of the book. I had to read this over again because it's so true. Gracious God, deliver me, I pray, from the easy habit of thinking that my spirituality is something between you and me alone. It is so difficult to accept the idea that my spiritual wholeness cannot be attained outside of my life with others. Help me to commit my relationships to you that they may become channels of your grace in my life and that I may become a channel of your grace for others. 
I like this prayer. I've had to pray this prayer multiple times. I want to have my life impact others. So why is this important? Let's see. Why is this important? Hmm. Let's see. Leviticus 19, love your neighbor as yourself. Hmm. Jesus in Matthew 25, you know, what's the first commandment? Love God, right, with everything you got. What's that? Love your neighbor as yourself. What does he say? All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. We like the first one. Oh, I can do that. I'm going to work on that a lot. But what about this one? Love your neighbor. Two commandments. Not one, and then the other one's kind of like the sub one. Doesn't say that. Both of them are as important. Ooh. Proof text, yep, not proof texting, no. It shows up elsewhere in the Bible, too. Romans 13, the commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not covet, and whatever other command there may be. I love that. He's tired of writing. There's a lot of commands. Whatever else is in there. (laughs) They're summed up in this one command. What does it say? Love does no harm to his neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfillment of the law. Not just love for God, but love for your neighbor. For the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command. What does it say? Love your neighbor as yourself again. In James, if you really keep the royal law found in Scripture, love your neighbor as yourself, you are doing right. Guys, we got to just stop falling for this unbiblical, privatized, individualized approach to Christianity. Stop. It's not just about you having a good quiet time so you can be more like Jesus, so you can, so you can look good and so you can help, you know, f- make yourself feel better and, and do some good. That's cool, but it's really about you. You know, I, I got to be more like Jesus. I'm really growing. I'm, ch- I'm fasting and I'm, I'm changing in my character. And, and this is, that's great. Amen. But it can't stop there. Stop breaking your arm, patting yourself on the back. It's, it can't stop there. And, and, but, guys, we, I, we forget this, and it's just, it's, it's just me and God, God, what, what about us? What about us? It's about other people, man, and that's hard for us because we are so self-centered, man, and we just love it. So many of us are like content junkies, I'm telling you, man. Some of us are podcast listeners, and, man, have you read the new translation of the Bible? And, I mean, just define all these words, but what about your love for other people? If it's not translating into that, something's majorly off. Not a little bit off, majorly off. So, so somehow you got to show love to other people, right? What is love? You know what love is. You know what it is. God's told you what it is. Multiple places in multiple ways. And I, I chose this one for a different translation because you guys are tired of hearing the same translation. So I got found a different one. Love is patient and kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It does not demand its own way. It's not irritable. And it keeps no record of being wronged. How are we doing? Wow. It does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices with whenever the truth wins out. Love never gives up, never loses faith, always hopeful, and endures through every circumstance. Love will last forever. It's not easy. This deals with other people, guys. How does it deal with other people? What about Romans 12? 
This one, man, this is hard for me. Wow. Love must be without hypocrisy. How are we doing? Can't be acting. Abhor what is evil, cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another with mutual love, showing eagerness and honoring one another. This takes other people. We got to do this to our neighbor. This is not just between you and God, this passage. This is love and action. Don't lack in zeal, be enthusiastic in spirit, serve the Lord, rejoice in hope, endure in suffering, persist in prayer. How do I rejoice in hope, endure in suffering, and persist in prayer? First of all, oh wait, I need Jesus to be formed in me. I can't do that on my own. See how it's all coming together. We need God to do a work in us so that we can even live these passages out. Contribute to the needs of the saints. Pursue hospitality. Love your neighbor. This is other people. Bless those who persecute you. What? How do you do that? You need Christ formed in you to do that. Bless and don't curse because we all want to curse when somebody persecutes us. Right? Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. We got to weep with the, with, the, with the Dodd family, man. Got to weep. I hate it. We were out of town this weekend. It's like, oh, man, we wanted to go see Priscilla. You know, she passed away. But you know what? The Dodds are right here worshiping God. And I, look, I don't even want to look over there right now. It'd be hard, right, to keep going. Because that, that wheelchair right there, I see her face all the time. I can see her. I know she's front row. Priscilla, but you know what? She was ready to see God. Praise God she was right with God. But you know what? We got to weep with those who weep. We got to live in harmony with one another. How do we do that? How do Democrats and Republicans live together in harmony? How do you do that? You need Jesus how you do that. <laughs> and you know what I'm saying. You know it because we, we let each we, we that's a whole nother sermon that I'm probably going to have to put together because I'm about done with all this division in the church based on some political positions. And like Jesus done falling out of the sky and y'all can't figure it out. You know, it's like, what in the world, man? It's crazy how divisive things get within the family of believers based on earthly politics that we somehow think are representative of God Almighty. Don't be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Who are your friends? Do they look just like you, all of them? Same background as you? I don't know. Probably. We, we struggle with that. Why? Because we, we got to love our neighbor. We got we to be transformed by, by Jesus. Don't be conceited. Don't repay anyone evil for evil. Golly, how do you do that? You need Jesus formed in you. You can't do it yourself. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all people. You know what? Don't avenge yourselves, dear friends, but give place to God's wrath, for it's written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. Rather, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. What? How do you do that? How do I love my neighbor to that level? You can't do it. You need, you need Christ formed in you, and you can't do it on your own. You need to yield yourself to God, make yourself available, give yourself away, and, and let God transform you. And then you'll learn how to feed your, feed your enemy. Feed your enemy. Wow, who does that? If he's thirsty, give him a drink. For in doing this, you'll be heaping burning coals on his head. Don't be overcome by evil. Overcome evil with good. I cannot do that. You cannot do that. 
without being formed in the image of Christ. And this is for the sake of others. It's not just about you and God. It's about what, how we let God's spirit transform us, and he works through us. And I'm going to pray for the, uh, for the Lord's Supper now with these thoughts in mind. And, and before I pray for the Lord's Supper, this is kind of the uh, prayer uh, scripture that hopefully we can meditate on even maybe the next few days. I'm not going to read the whole psalm, but maybe just that last part that I think kind of encapsulates that, that willingness to have that confrontation, but then consecration. Just give yourself to God so you can be used. Um, psalm 139, the very end. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you. Point it out. Let's let the confrontation just point it out. And lead me along the path of everlasting life. Wow. Thank you, God, that he gives us that path, even though we offend him with things we do sometimes, right? I hope that we can continue this ongoing spiritual formation as we, as we strive to let God transform us. Let's, let's go to God in prayer. Father, we need you. <laughs> we know you're knocking on that door of our hearts and just we're just, we fall so far short of being the type of people you want us to be, Father, but we don't have to feel guilted out or feel terrible about ourselves. Just like Paul, he, he just shared with us, like he was messed up, a violent man, and, but all he could talk about was your grace, God. Just, you poured it out on him abundantly. I just wish we would stop hiding the parts of us that are most unlike Jesus. I pray that we can just learn how to give them over to you. And we're grateful for Jesus. We're grateful he came and lived among us to really reveal who you were. Father, we, we, we are so grateful for him, and we're we're going to take the Lord's Supper. We, are, we, we praise you that we get to even have this moment. We're going to take the bread that represents his body and, and drink of this juice that represents his blood that he shed. And, and we're going to proclaim that he is your son. We're going to proclaim that he died for our sins and that we're going to proclaim he's coming back. I pray we take this in gratitude and just thank you that you are forming us in the image of your son Jesus so that we can be your vessels to help change the world. I pray in Jesus' name, amen.